Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Philip Michaels, executive editor of Macworld Magazine. We're at Macworld Expo, Macworld 2011, the uh, showcase for the best and brightest of the Mac universe, which is why we're still confused that they asked us to do a live version of the Macworld Pundit Showdown. This is, of course, the, uh, the uh, staple of the Macworld podcast, which combines pointless arguments, baseless character attacks, and cheap sound effects. Um, because there's nothing more exciting than live on stage a man reading questions off a sheet of paper, we've assembled an exciting panel for you today of pundits. Let me introduce them to you first. Sitting immediately right there is a man who's uh, at his first, uh, first Macworld Expo for you. Yeah. And he was telling me just before the show he's very excited about uh, Steve Jobs' keynote later today. He is the author of The Snuggy Sutra, which we will almost certainly never excerpt on Macworld.com. And uh, he's waiting to hear back from the NFL about his petition to disqualify the Green Bay Packers from next week's Super Bowl, from the, new, from the uh, Philadelphia suburb of New Jersey. It's Lex Friedman. Thank you. Uh, sitting next to Lex is uh, a man making his podcast uh, or his pundit showdown debut. Um, I'm having some sound issues. Um, he is the author of uh, many books, including most recently Five Star Apps. He is an expert on everything wireless. And uh, he gets bonus points today if all of his answers use, uh, use wireless uh, acronyms and standards. So... Glenn Fleischman, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. We also have uh, a returning contestant. He was on last year's live panel. Uh, he is the he is from Rogue Amoeba. He uh, is very thankful that uh, last year's live panel didn't record because now he can tell everyone that he won instead of losing in the finals. It is Paul Cephasis. Cephasis, actually. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Paul. Um, and finally, uh, our last panelist has been on this show many times. I think four, is it, Dan? And you've won, let me do the math here in my head, carrying the one zero times. Correct. That, that is correct. Okay. Um, I got you, my fingers crossed today. We change his um, we change his theme music each time, which you're not hearing right now. But uh, so sad. I was waiting to see what you think. Yes, trust me, it's great. <laughs> um, next time, though, if you if you don't make the finals this time, we're changing your theme to the sad trombone. So that's the theme of my life. Yes. So Dan Warren, ladies and gentlemen, senior associate editor for Macworld Magazine. Okay. So, this is how this works. Uh, we s blatantly stole this format from a BBC radio program called Fighting Talk. Uh, just like the Beatles and golf, we took something from the British and pretended that it was our own. These gentlemen, I will ask them questions, they will give me answers, and I will award them points based on those answers. One point, which sounds like that, maybe. Two points. And three points. And if they give incorrect or 
unlikable answer, they lose a point. And that's what that sounds like. So let's begin. And our first question is all about this. The Beatles are now available in iTunes. A Verizon iPhone will soon be available in a matter of weeks. And that has me wondering, now that the go-to stories for lazy tech journalists like myself are off the table, what will replace those two as the ones that we go to when we need something to fill copy space? Let's start off with the, uh, with the veteran, Dan, Dan Morin. Well, uh, with Apple having 60, almost $60 billion in the bank, the go-to story is going to be, who will Apple buy? Will it be Adobe? Will it be Microsoft? Google? Who knows? The answers are endless, um, as is the speculation. And so it's going to be what, what Apple is going to do with that $60 billion. And to the, to the disappointment of many financial analysts out there, they will probably not start giving dividends, which will make everyone very sad. All right, Paul, what, who, what, what is the next story that we're going to beat into the ground? Well, I had a very similar answer, but I think if you like crappy list-based journalism, the top 10 things Apple will do with their $60 billion in cash. There you go. Uh, limitless potential for that answer. Glenn. Apple will apparently revive the old rumor it's going to buy Sony, and then it will fire everyone in the company and replace the CEO with Johnny Ives. Lex Friedman, I think what this, story are we going to hear about till we're sick of it? I think the story that is going to dominate everything we hear is going to be what the next iPad killer will be. Now, of course, we all know whatever the next uh, you know, tablet computer or slate to come out won't be an iPad killer, just like the new Ferrari isn't a Lamborghini killer. But we're going to hear about whatever the next iPad killer will be, and we all know it won't be for two reasons. One, because new tech products don't kill old tech products, and two, because none of them are any good to compete with the iPad. Very good. Our next question. There was a major shakeup in the tech world last week as a Silicon Valley giant saw its influential CEO take an unexpected step back from the day-to-day operations, spurring a lot of rumor and speculation. But enough about Google. The question is, what other tech industry titans would be well-served with a change at the top? Glenn? Head of Yahoo. Both go into a room, but neither come out. <laughs> I, th- I think we would all enjoy seeing that by the sound of the applause. Uh, Lex, what would you, uh, who, who, who would you now, You said it had to be a, a company that was replacing its head. If it, if it could be a, a sub part of a company, I would say that Apple should replace whoever was the head of Ping. But if it's a, an, an entirely solo tech company that's going to replace its head, I would go with MySpace. Now, in full disclosure, I worked at MySpace during these several weeks when it was actually popular. But... Uh, I would say that you know they've let themselves be totally decimated by Facebook, and there's clearly no defeating Facebook in our new Zuckerbergian overlords. But if if uh, if MySpace can come up with a way to get somebody in charge there who can give that site some sort of life again and some presence on the internet, they would be well served. There you go. You you worked you worked at MySpace very briefly. Mm. <laughs> so uh, Dan Morin. Question. Um, I think that there's somebody out there. It's, it's one of those, those tech industry titans that was, in fact, on the top of its game before Apple came along, and that would be Research in Motion, the makers of the BlackBerry. I think the co-CEOs there, Mike Lazuri, I can't pronounce either of their names, uh, Jim Belsili and Mike Lazuri, this, uh, yeah, they both have shown that they don't really have an idea of where the smartphone industry is going anymore. They're steadily losing ground to Android. They're trying to come out desperately with a tablet that will save the company, only it doesn't seem like it might not be very good. And meanwhile, they like to spur, uh, you know, plenty of instigatory comments such as, oh, seven-inch tablets, those are, those are where it's at. 
Paul, who, uh, who needs to be uh, changed at the top? Well, Dan took my backup answer. Dan, Dan took is my first answer. Good. It's all right. Because I think what we need to have happen is Apple's going to buy Dell, shut down the company, and Michael Dell will be out on his keister. And they'll give the money back to the shareholders. Right, exactly. The way he wanted to do to Apple. Let us go to the scores, if the uh, scorekeeper can run them up to me. They're also apparently available on the uh, giant 103-inch Panasonic TV. Yes, they are. After two questions, Glenn, the debutante, has roared to a tremendous lead with five points. Dan Morin with four points. Oh, Paul is also in the lead with five points. Who, who, knew, who, who knew I could read someone's writing? And Lex is trailing with three points. But he has all that MySpace stock to... Uh, to comfort him in his darkest hour. If you set our, it on fire, it'll keep you warm. <laughs> our next question is all about this. Well, that's a part of the magic of the apple. I don't want to... That's Tim Cook, if you, if you can't hear. I don't want anybody copying it. What I would tell you is that... Apparently calling from the moon. <laughs> the team here has... Anyhow, Tim Cook is overseeing the day-to-day operations at Apple with Steve Jobs taking his leave of absence. Name me another Apple executive that should reassure everyone the company's in safe hands. Let's start off, since we keep uh, taking all his answers away, let's start off with Dan, actually, this time. Oh, me? Good. Yes. All right. Um, Well, mine's kind of a dark horse contender, um, and that is uh, the Apple vice president in charge of retail, Ron Johnson who came and joined the company from Target. Um, and I think with three, 323 stores open and in the most recent corner, a revenue of, of like almost $4 billion for just for those retail segments, the, the Apple stores have made a huge difference, and he runs them as a tight ship. If, I mean, we've all been in the Apple stores. We've seen how nicely they run, and they do a great job of putting everything together. I think without that, Apple would not be where it is today. And, and Ron Johnson you know, gets a lot of the credit for that. Paul, would you like to answer now? I got to go with Phil Schiller. Uh, he seems like he'd have soft hands. And uh, when he hugged you and told you it was going to be all right, you'd believe him. Because he's got that good, honest musk to him. One point there for musk. Glenn. Well, you know, I hope that Randy Ubilos, the uh, creator of 20 years worth of movie editing software, the guy behind iMovie, I hope that as long as he stays in his role that he will reassure us with the addition of the movie trailers feature in the latest version of iMovie he gave people the ability to complete at least one project in their lifetime in iMovie that they could show to other people and that alone you know was I think it was a gesture of pure leadership now we just have to hope he doesn't go on another vacation and go scuba diving because we might get another iMovie 08 and uh, Lex, you haven't answered. Well, the, the thing to remember is that no one person can or should replace Steve Jobs. And Apple has a lot of really solid executives. You've got, you know, Jonathan Ive and his incredible eye for design. You've got Scott Forstall running iOS. You've got Phil Schiller, who I think his primary talent is being on the receiving end when Apple demonstrates new video chatting software. But I would say that the, the number one reason we can feel good about Apple's senior executive team is that Steve Wozniak isn't on it. Points awarded without comment. Let's move on to the next question. The Mac App Store opened its doors earlier this month, ringing up 1 million downloads in 24 hours' time. Naturally, since it seems to be a success so far, I want to know what's one thing about the App Store that you think needs fixing? Let's let's start off with the developer this time. Not enough fart apps. No, I think uh, you're asking the developer, and you're going to get a whole list of things. Uh, 
Apple's 30% cut is larger than it should be. Uh, there's no trials for customers to try things out. There's no refunds. There's no coupons. Uh, the I, no, I'm just going to take them all. Uh, the biggest issue, I think, actually is the limitations. Uh, not to, I'm not even going to say my company's name anymore, but our software can't be on there. There's a whole lot of great software that can't be on there. Uh, Super Duper, a great backup app. Panic's Candy Bar app. Uh, Elgato's ITV software. A whole lot of things that are restricted that millions of people are using. And I think uh, it would be very good for Apple and for everyone else for that to be available as well. Paul has taken so many points on that. I don't think there's anything left for this question. But let's let's see if Glenn can uh, can pull this out of the fire. Well, clearly, based on the readership of Tidbits, a publication I write for, we need full Panther support for the Mac App Store. Without Panther support, Apple will be put, you know, foregoing literally hundreds of dollars in additional revenue, and developers will lose that valuable ten dot four revenue stream. So, you know, that's clearly on the list. On the you know more practical side, I'd like there to be a way to have a parallel upgrade mechanism for apps you've already bought that are installed in your computer that are in the app store that you could upgrade anyway, because otherwise it's going to continue to be a confusing mess as it is today. Lex Friedman. Well, first, I'd really like to see the Mac App Store become available for Windows as well. But uh, the, the one feature I actually truly most want to see uh, is tabbed browsing of the App Store. I don't know if you guys remember uh, before tabbed browsing became the norm, but back then uh, surfing the web sucked, and now surfing the web does not. So if, uh, if Apple, could, given that the entire App Store is built on WebKit, there's no reason it can't support tab browsing because I want to be able to open up every Fard app and every other game on my screen at once to compare them all, and I can't. Okay, another point there at the end. Uh, Dan, I believe you're the only one who hasn't answered this one. Well, uh, I for one think there are exactly the right number of rogue amoeba apps on the Mac App Store. Um, yeah, but in addition to that, I mean, for, for one thing, I know, I know the Mac App Store is really geared towards new users, and that's great, and it's handy when you download stuff and it pops it right into the dock for you. But uh, I think we're going to need some, some advanced preferences for some of our uh, more experienced users for letting you not put stuff in the app. Or, for that matter, for, for new, uh, new uh, users who want to you know, easily get stuff out of the dock and don't want a dock that spans the entire length of their screen. And while we're at it, I really like to be able to buy Mac apps from, oh, my iPhone, my iPad, my Apple TV, my toaster, my Pippin, uh, my Newton. I think that would be handy. Okay. Let's move on. Apple has skipped out on Macworld Expo again. Sorry about that, Lex. Uh, but if they were here, what would be the newly announced product we'd be talking about right now? In other words, if there were a keynote this morning, what would Steve Jobs or Apple executives have unveiled? Let's start off with Lex. Well, I think the obvious answer here is that Apple would have unveiled today the iPad 2 if they bend themselves to Phil's will, as all large companies should. But the, I think that the, the thing we would all really still be talking about now, the one more thing, would have been the iPad 3, iPad 3D. It multi-touches you. So that's something to get pretty excited about. Point off for the terrible slogan there. Um, Glenn. Well, I think Steve would have shown a small black cube without explanation, talked about all the ways in which you need to access your content everywhere, and introduced the iSpot, blatantly stealing the name from another product that already exists because Apple likes to do that. And the iSpot would be a MiFi killer. And Steve wouldn't even mention the MiFi, a portable cellular router. But this would be a device that would do WPA, WPA2, EVDO, UMTS, HSDPA, and more. And it would also be an Apple TV embedded inside. So you could take your content, stream it wherever you wanted to go, and get access to the Internet for all your devices for $99. Available today. Extra points there for uh, naming all those standards and not passing out mid, uh, mid-standard. Dan. 
Well, and, and it moves sure to disappoint many. I think uh, Steve would have come out on stage and announced that in a groundbreaking move never yet done, Mobile Me will be free to all Mac users. Cool. Uh, for a limited time only. Paul? Uh, well, Apple's accountants have been working feverishly to convince the board to diversify their cash holdings. $60 billion in cash is not a very good way to hold on to. You know, you need, you need to diversify. Uh, and Apple is actually looking to get into real estate. Uh, th- with that amount of money, they can actually purchase the states of Idaho and Iowa. Uh, this is really more of a visual joke, but as you might imagine, they're going to change the capitalization on those two states. Better and better and better. Terrible Let's visual go joke. to the scores. Oh, my goodness, Glenn, you are running away with this. I don't even know what the scores are, and I've been awarding them. You've got 16 points. Lex and Paul are trailing you with 11. Dan Morin in a customary position for him. Last place with 10. Let's go on to the next question. It is all about this. That's the Social Network trailer, in case you can't hear it. The Social Network just got nominated for Best Picture. In your best movie trailer voice, tell me what tech-inspired movie will contend for the Oscar in 2012. And if you want, I, I have trailer music for your trailer. So, uh, Dan, would you like to start us off? Sure. In a world where tyranny reigns, where dictators rule every move, one man and 140 characters is all that stands between men and freedom. This is the story of one country, <laughs> tweet up in Tunis. <laughs> and about how Twitter helped the Tunisians overthrow their terrible dictatorial government. Coming to a theater near you this fall. Very nice. I'm awarding the points at the end so that I don't distract from your your brilliant trailer writing. Um, Paul, why don't you uh, start us off here? Attention spans were short. Then, a new communication tool. Hashtags. Retweets. Fail whales. This fall, 140 characters. The Twitter story. Now, Dan stole that answer, obviously, but I, I, I do want to. You should have showed me all your notes beforehand. I, 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 I should not have given him my notes. I want to pander a little. That trailer is actually exactly 140 characters, which took far too much time. Bonus point for 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 going to that length. Thank you. Point off for having to point it out to us. Fair enough. Glenn! Let's see if we can find you some good music, too. Here we go. People check in, but they don't check out. Coming to screens near you, Foursquare the movie. He's on the run from the law. The government is trying to find him. He's unfairly been accused of a crime he can't remember. And he can't stop checking in. Foursquared in 3D. Very, very nice. Uh, Lex Friedman, finish us off here. In a world with 20 billion web pages and nothing to surf, there's one website that folks rely on to help them find the precise content they're after. One company tracks every search you searched, every email you emailed, and every phone call you phone called. What could possibly go wrong? Philip Seymour Hoffman is Eric Schmidt. Seth MacFarlane is Larry Page. And introducing Sergey Brin as Sergey Brin in the film you've been searching for, why can't we call it Brin Rank, the Google story? 
I think since I gave you all three points on there, we should turn to the audience for bonus points. Who thinks we should give them to Dan Morin? Yeah. Paul Kafasis. Oh. oh. Brutal. I'll give you some of my points later. Poor Paul. Glenn Fleischman. Good reaction for Glenn. And Lex Friedman. Lex. Thank you. Two points to Lex. And one point for Paul because I I feel sorry for him. Let's move on to the next question. We're a couple of weeks removed from CES. In your opinion, what was the biggest news to come out of the massive consumer electronics trade show this year, Glenn Fleischman? I I think the biggest news is that, fortunately, 3D is doomed. Doomed, I tell you. Even though, you know, billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars will be spent over the next few years, it's not just that Roger Ebert is correct. It's not just that uh, the person whose name I can't remember who is a marvelous filmmaker and cinematographer, I lose points for that. Birch, not that he's correct. It's that people don't want 3D. Only manufacturers want 3D because... They need to make a, have a new revenue stream. Everything at CES was about 3D. We're all getting nauseated by it. And, uh, I, and I'm, here's hoping this CES spells the death knell for 3D as the next big thing. Paul, what was the big news to come out of CES as far as you're concerned? Well, I thought it was the iPhone on Verizon, but apparently that wasn't at CES. That's uh, good knowledge. There were like, you know, 73 new tablets that aren't going to beat the iPad. Uh, but no, the actual answer is Angry Birds, the board game. Uh, it's a video game, but real life uh, with a crappy plastic slingshot, uh, whose tagline is, now kids can play the number one paid app in real life. Dan Morin. They're, they're still a CES? Uh, I, I would sort of back up what Paul sort of uh, alluded to there, which was the, the plethora of tablets. So many, in fact, that I hope to one day acquire one of each of them so that I may build a fort. <laughs> and uh, who, who hasn't answered? Lex hasn't answered. The biggest news to come out of CES this year, far and away, bar none, was when Macworld senior editors John Seff and Dan Frakes got stuck in an elevator there. <laughs> And then live-tweeted the entire event of being stuck in that elevator. And the, the only other thing that we learned is that the only people who are interested... Uh, uh, let me rephrase. The other big news is that tweets sent by people who are at CES are not popular to people who are not at CES unless you happen to be stuck in an elevator at that time. May I have an ancillary answer there? The other, thing, the other person stuck in the elevator worked for Twitter, and, and she did tweet. not tweet that she was stuck in an elevator. Let us check the scores uh, again here. The scores are being scribbled down furiously. I really should have someone in the audience shout them out. Glenn is still in the lead, but his lead is shrinking. It's 22 points now. Uh, Paul is in second place with 18 points. Lex and Dan with 17. At the time our show is going on, and this is the next question... Uh, actor and comedian Sinbad is giving a featured presentation at Macworld Expo. I'll I'll give you all a moment to uh, run over there. Um, name me one Mac using celebrity you'd like to see on this panel and bonus points if you name the current panelist you'd boot off to make room. Let's make this one a quickie. Lex. Uh, Lex. The Mac user I would want here is Penelope Cruz, and I would happily sacrifice everybody else on the panel so that Penny and I could have some, you know, private punditry time. Paul. My answer's not quite as classy. I'd have to say Douglas Adams. Uh, he'd, be gre- he'd be great, but I'm sure more importantly it would mean that he was still with us. Uh, I'd throw myself off the panel for that easily, but probably Dan, too. I'd also take Dan out. 
strategic move. Yeah. Uh, Dan Morin, you've been kicked off the panel. Why don't you uh, give us your answer? Uh, I would go for actor, writer, humorist, and PC, but Mac user, John Hodgman. Cool. And I think clearly the person to click off is probably, I don't know, Glenn. Because he's in the lead. Glenn, let's see if you're still in the lead after this answer. Actor, writer, filmmaker, pundit, smartphone user, Stephen Fry. I think it would be perfect, and I would get rid of Dan, because Dan's met Stephen Fry, so he doesn't need to be here again. Let's go to our next question. It is the National Hockey League is shaking things up at its all-star game by having two captains pick the teams the way you used to choose upsides on the playground. If you were the captain of a tech all-star team, who would be your number one pick? Glenn, Glenn, you uh, you take this one. I, I've got a lineup. I think I would take Katarina Fake from who one of the founders of Flickr thought of very interesting things and left Yahoo before the company became its current state, so she gets extra points for that. Jack Dorsey, one of the founders of Twitter and Square, doing interesting things that are engaging and make us crazy at the same time. And Adam Lizagor as the marketing guy, because no one can avoid watching videos that Adam Lizagor makes, so whatever company, product, whatever they happen to do, he would be able to promote it effectively. Very good answer. Uh, Paul? Well, what kind of contest is this? Is it like a hot dog eating contest? Because I want Bomber for that. Uh, or if it's, if it's like an Anchorman-style brawl, I think I want Larry Ellis because he's nuts, and you know he fights dirty. Uh, but as far as real tech goes, i got to go with Elon Musk. Uh, he revolutionized payments on the web uh, and then you know, left PayPal and said, let's go to space. Founded a company called SpaceX, which has put a satellite into space and brought it back, the first private company to do that. And a year later said, you know what? I'm a little bored. I'm going to make electric cars, too, and founded Tesla. So I really don't think you can have a better pick than Elon Musk for any sort of tech team. Excellent points there for knowledge. Dan Morin. He's kind of a triple threat is what you're saying. I like that. I like that. Um, I would pick uh, the sort of internet uh, luminary Sir Tim Berners-Lee because not only did he help, you know, create the web, God damn it, he can help unmake it if he needs to. Um, Backing him up, you know, I, I, I think there are some great options, especially from Apple's executive round. Johnny Ive, I think, you know, looks like he could, he could definitely be in a good dust-up. And, uh, you know, honestly, uh, Apple's hardware VP, Big Bob Mansfield, I don't think anybody wants to face him down. He can take a punch. Except I think he can. no he can give substitutes. Extra points there for giving him a nickname, I think, too. Uh, Lex, you haven't answered. My first thought was actually, of all people, Mark Zuckerberg and or the, uh, the Winklevoss twins, figuring that whatever your idea was, they could help you bankroll it. But in the end, I landed, I settled on, um, you know, Tumblr and Instapaper developer Marco Arment, because simply everything he does turns out to be excellent, at least until he leaves the company, in Tumblr's case. But his, his, his uh, I, you know, I just read an interview with him this past week where he talked about how he focuses not on the features that are the most complicated, most algorithmically or mentally complicated, but rather the ones that are quicker wins for him because he realizes then he can keep spending his time making new great things instead of focusing and obsessing over these one or two very complicated things, which I think is a pretty clever strategy. We are coming down the home stretch here, so let us check the scores. Glenn Fleischman, you are no longer in the lead. You have 28 points, or 27 points. Paul has 28 points with all those those very lengthy answers. That he, he has cracked the secret. Pandering. Uh, Dan Morin has 24, and Lex, uh, you need have some work to do. 22 points, my friend. But you can do it here with this next question. It is, once I flip to the right page, last weekend, 
was the 27th anniversary of Apple's iconic 1984 TV commercial. What is the second best TV ad Apple has ever aired? It is our golden envelope question. If you match the answer I've written in this golden manila inter-office envelope, you will get 10 bonus points and almost assuredly a spot in our finals. Lex, since I keep forgetting that you haven't answered, let's have you answer first. Well, uh, well, first, I mean, it's amazing just how many memorable ads Apple has had. You know, the Hello on the Mac ads, the Switch ads with Ellen Feist, the Here's to the Crazy Ones, the iPod dancers, have I ruined them all yet? Oh, and the, you know, the, the, even the incredible iPhone ads, the initial iPhone ads, which did such a great job of showing what at the time was a brand new interface for a phone and how it works to people in a very clever way. But of all the ads that Apple's ever run, my absolute favorite uh, is the one that featured uh, Yao Ming and uh, Vern Troyer uh, showing off the new, then new 17 and 12 inch, 17 inch and 12 inch power books um, using somebody who was really, really big and somebody who was really, really little to show off laptops that were also really, really big and really, really little. I thought it was a very, very clever advertising thing. And um, who can, you can't fail to acknowledge that both of those guys are still, so to speak, huge stars. I gave you three points there, but, but I ignored your shameless attempt to get more points by naming every commercial that Apple ever did. Uh, let's uh, go to Paul on this one. Well, so I'd have to say it's an ad from 1997, right, when Jobs came back. Uh, and the company was, I think, about six months from bankruptcy. Uh, I actually prepared an audio clip for this. I'm, we're going to see if this works. Uh, it's, uh, it's a clip of the, of the commercial. And it was like, beep, 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 beep. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, that's, uh, that's the Ellen Price commercial. That is absolutely not the answer. Anyone who gives that answer, it's wrong. Did you just make an uh, iPhone die somewhere else in the hall by doing that? The Rebels. Can we hear this or no? The Troublemakers. It's the, it's the Here's to the Crazy Ones ad uh, with a tremendous voiceover and had uh, black and white photos of Gandhi, uh, Lenin, Bob Dylan. Uh, and I think it really... Vladimir Lenin? Yes, Vladimir <laughs> Lenin was also in there, I believe. Uh, I think it really turned the, turned the company around as far as the image that people had of the company. We, 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 the scorekeeper and I were arguing. We took a point off you there for Vladimir Lenin. For me? Yeah, for, for you. He said it. Yeah. I did say it. Oh. <laughs> Take it off mine. Take it off Dan. It doesn't matter. He's not winning. <laughs> Dan, thing is rigged. This contest is honest as the day is long. Dan. Uh, I would go with the 2001 commercial, which got a lot of attention um, the, uh, with the slogan, Rip, Mix, Burn. Uh, there was an iTunes commercial in the days, uh, right or, I think slightly before, right around the time the iPod came out. And at the time, you know, we were all still buying music on CDs for the most part. And that was, you know, a great way to personalize your music collection. And Apple earned the ire of much of the music industry from suggesting that what people basically said they were suggesting piracy. Um, but I think, you know, looking back from then, it's turned out that, that that ad has in many ways predicted and defined the way that we've interacted with our digital media for the last decade. Glenn Fleischman. Well, I'll pick a more recent one. Is uh, you know I always look for the emotional attachment in an ad by Apple, and sometimes it doesn't grab me. And when they were showing FaceTime, I've always been relatively indifferent to video chat. I've never seen the compelling case for it, except for certain family circumstances. And the FaceTime app, in which it starts off, I'm like, yes, yes, it's a couple talking to each other, and then it's a baby. I'm like, oh, they sort of got me. And then the deaf couple signing to each other. That moment, really, like, I couldn't figure out for, you know, the brain for two seconds is trying to figure out what's going on. Then you realize this is a whole new world for those folks. And I, I felt a lump in my throat. So that ad really got me in a way that I don't think most Apple's ads in the last 30 years have. That was a very sincere answer, and sincere really doesn't, doesn't play well here. So, um, 
None of you, um, I don't think, match the, the golden envelope question from what I can hear. I wrote down Dancing Silhouettes, the iPod ad with the Dancing Silhouettes. Uh, in many ways, as iconic as the 1984 ad, I, I would I would argue, and it just shows that you didn't uh, that you didn't Google Macworld.com because I wrote an article about two years ago where I I said pretty much the same thing I just said now. No one reads that site, anyways. No, well, you don't want to read that. Uh, our last question: It's the start of a new year. What will be the one story Mac users will be talking about when 2011 draws to a close? Let's have Paul give us an answer. Well, I was originally, I hadn't been on the show floor before just now, so I was originally going to say uh, that I hoped it would be Apple Returns to Macworld Expo. But the show is doing quite well, and it's busy here, and you know what? If they don't want to come, they don't have to be here. Uh, So now I'm just going to make something up like uh, Apple spends cash reserves in a crazy get-rich-quick scheme to uh, buying lottery tickets. Sounds like a solid investment. Glenn Fleischman. I think we'll all be talking at the end of 2011 about how remarkable it is that another year has gone by and 50 tablet models were introduced and none of the companies managed to make anything that anyone seems to care about as much as the iPad 2. Boom. Dan Morin. Um, I, I'm thinking maybe after several attempts that they finally got it right and we'll be hearing more about the astounding growth of the Apple TV. In fact, Netflix just said this morning that uh, more people are getting streaming Netflix via the Apple TV than via the iPad, which is pretty impressive in the short time that's been out. They've already sold a million. Um, a lot of people have been saying they're, they're flying off the shelves. And so I think, you know, after they've shown that not every product they put out the, is a hit the first time, but Apple's still a company that can continue iterating and make a great product nonetheless. Okay, and that, I, I think, leaves us with Lex. And Now, I took your question a little bit more literally, Phil, because you said specifically, what's the one story that Mac users will be talking about? And, uh, you know, the other answer is, while all excellent from the panelists, we're more about Apple f- fans, I think, than pure Mac users. So I think the two things that Mac users are going to focus on at the end of the year are, one, that really, as Apple promised, they didn't forget about the Mac. They're having tons of success with iOS, with the iPad and the iPhone, but they haven't neglected the Mac. I think particularly as we start seeing more and more of Mac OS X Lion, or Mac OS Lion, people are going to get more and more excited about that and be talking about that at the end of the year. Um, and I, finally, I think that the uh, most likely thing people will be talking about at the end of 2011 is how fired up they are for the 2012 Live Pundit Showdown. Shameless. But you get a point. I've never not Let been shameless. Let us look at the final scores here. It's very exciting. Well, we have joint last place. Besides you, Dan, which I think you pretty much took on faith, uh, Lex Friedman, both of you had 28 points, but thank you for, for joining us, which means in our final with 30 points, Glenn Fleischman, and with 36 points, Ooh. Paul Kafasis. But Last that can all change Doesn't now help. in the final little thing that we like to call Defend the Indefensible. I am going to read a statement. Oh, Glenn is frightened. Yes. No preparation for this one, friend. I am going to read a statement, and you will have about 20 seconds to defend it. It is going to be a very unpleasant statement, hence the word indefensible. But you you can't uh, back down. You have to uh, give it your gut best for uh, 20 seconds. And, uh, Paul, as the guy who got the most points, uh, you can choose whether to go first or second. Well, I torpedoed myself last year by going second, so I'll screw myself over by going first this time, I'm sure. All right. You have 20 seconds to defend this. The Mac App Store is for suckers. Truly enterprising software makers sell their products the old-fashioned way out of a van parked along a highway. (laughs) A van parked along the highway is clearly the greatest way to distribute software. The customers come to you. 
They don't have to click anything and open it up. They're just driving along, and you've got some candy and maybe some music, little The Entertainer, Baby Elephant Walk. They'll come. They'll buy. You don't need to give Apple 30%. Awesome. All righty. Very nicely done. Glenn. Let's see if I can find your answer on here. Oh, here it is. This is what you must defend. I don't understand all this fascination with wireless networking. It's copper wires for me all the way, baby. Copper wires are too good for you. We need to go back to tin cans and string. I've had all the wiring in my house removed, all the wireless devices smashed in that booth over there that keeps hammering things, and we have gone back to twine and good old-fashioned aluminum. Awesome. I am going to have to turn to the audience to decide the winner of this. Who says Paul Kafasis? Thank you. And Glenn Fleischman. Despite the, the hooting in the front row from the plant, I'm going to have to say that Paul is your, is your champion. Thank you. And that just leaves me to thank uh, Paul Kafasis, Glenn Fleischman, Dan Moran, Lex Friedman, and you, the audience, for doing the hard part. Thank you for joining us for the Pundit Showdown. That's it. Thanks, guys. See you next year, maybe.